something before you get started. So, uh, um, first of all, you know we just love coming home here. We certainly consider this our home, away from home. And uh, as Eric spoke this morning, I know what it is. I mean, there we say it every time we come, you really don't know what you have here. It's just the amazing presence of the Lord that is here with you. And it's the great abounding and abiding love that really is in this place. And it is a tangible thing that we can literally feel when we come here. And we, you know, we don't go as many places as we used to, but we still um, go around. And you really do have a very special place of gathering here. And I just encourage you to cherish it. And uh, it is awesome. This morning... Um, the Lord just brought to my heart two verses from the Song of Solomon that I really felt like he wanted us to hear this morning. At first, I thought it was just for me to read, and then it was like, no, share it with the body. And this is from the Passion Translation, which I've been reading a lot out of lately. It's very different, but to me, it's very deep, and it brings out new things in the Word that I haven't seen before. And this, in wake of um, all the tragedy that occurred on Friday, and, uh, you know, even turning on the news yesterday and, and hearing all this stuff that could bring so much fear and uncertainty in our lives. And the first one, I don't have the reference, but they're both from um, Song of Solomon. And the first one is, and I know this is what God is saying to us this morning. Arise, my love, my beautiful companion, and run with me to the higher place. For now... Now, he really emphasized that, for now is the time to arise and come away with me. And the coming away with him is to a higher place. And I was thinking about, well, Lord, here we are again at Living Waters. What's our purpose of Van and I being here today? And it is absolutely not to try and impart more knowledge into you about a certain book or a certain word. But it is to call us all, especially at this time now, to go to that higher place. Most believers are content in the lower place with the Lord. I hate to say that, but I was content there for many, many years. And I was content there because I really didn't know there was a higher place to go to. And it's not that he's going to come and lift us to that higher place. No, he says, run, arise, my love, and run with me. It's our choice. He's always there calling all believers, come up higher. You know, I press toward the mark of the high calling of God, of the upward calling of God. So there's always a call up higher, but it's always up to us to choose that. And he's calling us today to choose this higher, higher place. And then the last one he said, um, can you not discern this new day? of destiny breaking forth around you the early signs of my purposes and plans are bursting forth and the budding vines of new life are now blooming everywhere the fragrance of flowers whispers there is a change in the air and have we not heard that in the news the last two days things are never going to be the same that's what they're telling the world you know, it's like 9-11. Here we go again. The world is never going to be the same because of the events that happened on Friday. And that's very true. And we can look at things in the physical. And we know, we know that things are not going to get better in the physical world. It's only going to get worse and worse. But God's telling us the same thing in the spirit. And as believers, we must hear this 
and live this so that others during this time will see Christ in us and draw from, from his strength. The fragrance of flowers, and we carry the fragrance of Christ. That is the fragrance of the flowers. It's his fragrance coming forth through us. And it whispers, there is a change in the air. And that change is for us, and it's in us, and it's through us. And so when you hear about the change in the natural, and you think, oh, it's just going to get worse and worse. Yes, it is. But the spiritual change is it's only getting better and better as we arise in him. And I know that's our call this morning, and just for all of us to let's go up and rise up in him. Green light? Oh, yes. That's, yeah. All right. It's kind of a dreary day in a way. I mean, it's, I'm normally used to fighting the sun as I come in here, but I was thinking that, you know, Gina kind of echoed something to me that when we come to certain moments, you know, because we're, we're, we, we have kind of a busy life and our mind is full of all the stuff that's going on. I mean, I mean, let's face it, you know, it's hard to live in the moment and really recognize everything that's going on because we're so concerned about, you know, our kids, our mortgage payments, all that stuff clutters our head that it, it really is tough just to get in the now, just to put everything else aside. And I, I think that she touched on something that, that I wanted to. I had a whole different idea of what I was going to share until on the way down here, you know, I started hearing what was happening. We tapped in and, and watched it all the way through. And the Lord just clearly spoke to me that Friday, this, this Friday the 13th, was a date that will live in eternity. It is a date that we will remember. This is a date where things have shifted. But I decided that... Uh, uh, I wanted to know more, and so I spent most of yesterday evening just with the Lord on this, because for those of you that don't know me, my, my forte is the book of Revelation, and uh, I've been privileged to be able to spend almost six months here on Wednesday night sharing from my book. I, bought, I got, I got uh, kind of condemned last time because I didn't bring any, so I got about five books back there in the back if anybody wants one and they haven't read it. First, I want to say... Uh, Eric, I really love that uh, Duck Dynasty thing you're doing, man. That's, that's really cool. <laughs> you know, I look here and I say, man, this is, you know, God, why couldn't I grow a beard? That's, I'm 60 years old and I still can't get hair to grow over on this side of my face. Maybe when I come out of puberty, it'll work. <laughs> so, anyway... I felt like it was important that we take a look at really what's happened, but take a look at it in terms of the way God would show it. I mean, you know, we have a way of looking at things, as I said, because of all the stuff that's going on, we process what we see through that filter, you know? I mean, I, I don't see things the way I used to 20 years ago, and it's not just because I've come into a better revelation, it's because my life is different now. It's full of, of a different experience, and I can filter information through that filter. And I think that it behooves us to take a, let's just take a moment 
and look at what's taking place from the eyes of the Lord, from his position, what's taking place. But first, before we do that, let's talk about the natural. In the natural, things have shocked the world, and they were intended to shock the world. I mean, we know what Al-Qaeda and, and, and all of the terrorists are trying to do. They're trying to intimidate us, okay? That's their purpose, to intimidate us. But in the spiritual, another way to say it is they're trying to impart fear. And, and, and from a spiritual perspective, what is fear? Fear is the antithesis of faith. Fear is the enemy of faith. Fear is the recognition of a lack of faith. You know, if we're honest with ourselves, any place in our life where we have fear is also a place that we lack faith. You know, I mean, Gina and I faced, you know, catastrophic health events to the place that, you know, both of us faced death in it. And in that process, you know, we had to look fear in the face and determine would we believe what fear was telling us or would we believe what the Lord has told us? Now, if we say we believe what the Lord has told us, then fear is gone. He says, I have not given you a spirit of fear, but a spirit that crieth forth, Abba, Father. In the same way that we believe and have, as we are young children, we looked at our fathers and what they said, we believed, you know. You know, I can remember in arguments, you know, when I was in the third grade and stuff, yeah, I get to say, that's not true. My dad said so-and-so, or my mom said so-and-so. And to me, that was just gospel, you know. And so you couldn't convince me. And when, <laughs> when I'd have arguments, kids, I said, what's wrong with you? How come you're stupid? My dad told me this is... Well, in essence, if we see what's taking place, we see that there's an attack on us, not just literally, not, not just to, to bring destruction, physical destruction, but there's an attack to bring fear. It's in that fear that the enemy can operate. It's in that fear that his kingdom comes. Also in the natural, let's, let's, let's take a look. It's easy to, to take our enemies and see them uh, again through the filter that we have of good guy, bad guy. We're the good guys, they're the bad guys. And granted, as far as I'm concerned, they are the bad guys. But looking at the world from their perspective, we see that there's a much greater danger here and it does attach to the spiritual. Because see, they believe their kingdom will come and their God's will will be done on earth as it is in their heaven. That's exactly what they believe. You, you may look at it and say, why in the world are they stupid enough to, to, to rouse up all of the countries of the world against them? Don't they realize that, that the armies of the world will come against them? They, oh, yes, they do. But see, they have a belief that when they can stand together and the world comes against them, that God will show up and bring all the Muslims together for them and that they then will get their caliphate, that they will then be able to conquer the world. They believe that. Wholeheartedly, they believe that. They're thumping their nose at the world. They're saying, come on, we want you to come and attack us because our God's going to show up. So you see, we are not going to be able in the natural to defeat them because they have a belief structure that empowers them. Well, we have a belief structure that empowers us as well, but the difference between us and them is what I want to show you here this, 
this morning is that we have a spiritual empowerment and a spiritual victory, but we have to begin with knowing that we do not battle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and power. And we must keep that perspective if we're going to come forth without fear, if we're going to defeat them. See, you may think, well, hey, that's not happening here in Amelia Island. We don't have to worry about it. Well, it is happening. It is happening. It, they may not physically be here, but their goal isn't to physically be here. It's to impart that fear. And so until we see this for what it really is, we are victims of it. But when we see it from God's perspective, the whole thing turns around. And as, mon as many of you know, this has been something that I've spent probably the last 17 years studying. I've spent probably more time in the book of Revelation than most people, at least, if not. I don't, did anybody see our ad? I actually was blessed. I had a full-page ad in Charisma. Did anybody ever see it? Boy, that was a waste of money, wasn't it? <laughs> no, it was somebody wanted to do it, and I let them do it. And it was interesting. There was, it stirred up a few pots. But uh. Okay, Revelation. We're going to go to Revelation. Everybody all right with that? Everybody comfortable? Do you need anything? And listen, in case you don't know, if this is the first time you've ever been here with me, I'm a little bit different than Rob. I'm shorter, but I'm better looking. But outside of that, there is a difference, and that is that I am kind of a teacher evangelist pastor type, meaning that I like interaction. So you can shout out from out there, and I love it. You can ask questions. You can make a comment. I'm okay with it. I believe that the power of the Spirit embodies a body, to bring forth revelation. So even though this is a big group, you're going to say, I'm not the type to just sit up here and preach at you, and then at the end you go home. I'd love to hear what you have to say, because I believe the Spirit speaks in you. I've got a part, you've got a part. We all come together for what? To hear the revelation from God. We want wisdom from God. You don't want wisdom from me. So I want to get into the book of Revelation, because I believe that the book of Revelation was written for this hour. I believe it was written for a generation that was going to face this stuff, and God knew it. We were going to face things that no other generation ever had to face. That's why Revelation 1.1 says the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him, to Jesus, that he would give unto his servants, that's us, that they would see the things shortly come to pass. Clearly to me, that has always meant that that book particularly is given to a generation that would face things. And so God is bringing a spiritual truth in that book to empower and enable a generation that was going to face a battle the like of which no other generation ever had to deal with. And he set it in place, and he made sure that only those that have, he, what does he say? I pray that you have ears to hear what the Spirit says to the church. So it is spiritually empowered, spiritually enabled, but we have to spiritually discern to fully understand. Now, I'm not going, I, if you have all kinds of great ideas about the physical ramifications of Revelation, that's fine. And those may be true. But I treat it as a spiritual book. John was in the, in the Spirit on the Lord's Day, and he got it. He was on the Isle of Patmos, which, was, which means the place of my killing. <laughs> so I tend to believe that it, when we can finally lay down all of our preconceived ideas and hear in the Spirit, that there's a truth in the book of Revelation that enables you, not brings fear, because fear is the antithesis of faith. Why in the world would God create a book that brings fear? 
Okay, so I treat it differently. To me, it's about the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's the name of it. That's what it is. It's not the revelation of the Antichrist and wars and stuff. It's the war, yes, but it's the war, the real war that we have to face, that spiritual war that's up here. <laughs> I played golf with Frank yesterday. Humbling experience. Humbling experience. And, uh, and Frank even enabled that humbling experience. He says, what are you doing? <laughs> because, as many of you know, I had a liver transplant, and y'all were just my wonderful surrogate family that enabled us through all of that, and we are eternally grateful for that. And, and I'm, I'm better, much better. I mean, perfect now. Praise God. I mean, I'm down here for the, the checkup, but they said, look, everything is perfect now. Well, thank you, Lord. Thank you, because this was the atmosphere that this could happen, and I really appreciate that. But, <laughs> but because of the donor, I ended up with uh, uh, diabetes. And uh, I actually have to wear one of these little, you probably see it in my pocket, one of these little pump things, you know which is okay. That's a small price to pay. I don't mind. But they said to me, they said, you know, one of the things you could do is that if you get some more muscle, <laughs> it burns sugar. So they told me at the Mayo to start lifting weights. So I started lifting about, about two and a half months ago, and all of a sudden I, I actually grew about an inch and three quarters of my chest. So I'm out there, and I love to, as, as you all know, I love to play golf with, with Frank. So I'm out there, and it's like now it's like, yeah. <laughs> What in the world? <laughs> so, so I'm trying to hit the ball now. <laughs> and Frank said, oh, that looks bad. <laughs> and so it was a humbling experience. But, 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 it's, but I realized it's not so much the muscles, it's up here. See, all of a sudden I feel muscles that weren't there, and so I'm concentrating on them. And it's really up here. That's where the battle is, even in, golf, in anything. This is where the real battle is. And... And that's the thing that we have to recognize about this attack. This attack on Friday the 13th, interesting day, on Friday the 13th was an attack on our faith. And today, if you've got a few minutes, 1030, I'm good. Look, if anybody has to get up and get them a sandwich or go to the bathroom or anything during the process, go ahead. <laughs> Starting in Revelation chapter 19. I'm going to take you through all of the battle scriptures. I'm going to take you and show you that God is, this is a recruitment center today. You know, this, the day after uh, Pearl Harbor, you couldn't, you couldn't find a recruitment center that wasn't full and had a line out the door and probably down the street because everybody recognized that this was a terrible thing and they needed to do their part to see evil eradicated. Well, I'm calling forth that same thing today here in the spirit, that this is a spiritual recruitment center that is calling forth the army of God, but not an army as we have seen in the past, an army that out of, and we'll talk about that in a second, out of Joel chapter two, it says an army the like of which has never been seen and shall not be seen again for the years of many generations a great and mighty people. And God is going to bring forth a great and mighty people, not in the natural, because we don't battle in the natural, but a spiritual people that will counteract and finally defeat the enemies of faith. Revelation chapter 
19, verse 11. And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. You know, I understand that most people look at the ministry of the Lord. He says, I come bringing peace. But you know, he comes bringing peace to us. But he's still here as a warrior against the things against the kingdom. He is a warrior and he is recruiting warriors that will enable his will to be done here on earth as it is in heaven. But one of the important recognitions of any battle is who's in control. You know, in World War II, I'm going to tell you, the Nazis could have won. There are several, if you ever study it, and, and, and do we have anybody that is a, I don't see anybody that would be a World War II veteran in here, is there any? But I, I love to watch, it's kind of a, a hobby of mine. And if you watch it much, you find that, that, that Hitler got a lot of really great advice from some of his generals. And had he followed some of that, for example, even with England, had he followed through with what they were telling him, it would have been a much different story. That he made the blunders out of not listening to his generals or those that knew what they were talking about. And I know that that same principle applies here. That it is the Lord that judges and maketh war. Not us. Because in the natural, we would look at what's taken place, and what do we want to do? Send in the troops. Come on. Come on, Obama. Get it together. Let's send the troops in. Now, I'm not saying don't do that. But I'm saying that's where we would focus our attention if we just allowed the natural to have dominion. But we are the special troops. We are the ones behind the scenes that really empower the battle. And we have to come to realize that though that may take place and that God is not against that, I'm, I'm sure that he's guiding situations and circumstances, but you're called to a different calling. We're called to allow the Lord to make war through us in the way that the Lord wants to make war. By bringing down principalities and powers that have been empowered and are being greaterly... Gr greaterly? Gr gr greater... They, 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 yeah, they got more of, okay? They are having greater dominion because of the fear that's coming forth. So even though it seemed like a very stupid thing for them to do, in a way they won the victory they sought. They brought forth a greater fear. Now it's time to combat that. Now, I'll just tell you, for those of you that have never studied with me, I believe that in the book of Revelation, we are the horses, we are the vehicles that bring the Lord to the earth. We are the habitations through which he operates. We are the temples which, through which he shines. Therefore, when we talk about this, when we see him riding a horse, I'm talking about the Christ in us having dominion in the earth. Christ in us making the kingdom a reality here. Not us, by our own natural design and our own personal ideas, but allowing the Lord to have dominion first in us and then through us, okay? So with that principle, let me go on and say, his eyes were as a flame of fire and on his head were many crowns. That's authority, that's us. He's talking about Christ in us. And he had a name written that no man known but himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood and his name was called the word of God. And the armies which are in heaven. Now Jesus said, come up here. 
come up here. In Revelation chapter 4, John saw a door open in heaven, and he heard the Lord said, come up here. Everybody says, well, that's the rapture. I don't know that it's the rapture, but I do know that the very next verse says, and immediately I was in the Spirit. I take that to mean that coming up or a heavenly harmony or a heavenly people are a people that are in the Spirit, a people hearing from the Lord, being guided by His hand, being directed by His presence, His will being done here on earth as it is in heaven. That's the kingdom, by the way. The kingdom is that place where the king reigns. The kingdom is within us, right? So the kingdom in us is, that, is those people, those individuals who have allowed the Lord to have dominion in their life. Therefore, the kingdom's operating in them. It also says in Revelation that there are people who should be kings, but they have given their authority over to the beast for a nature, for a season, excuse me, and they have not yet received their kingdom. Meaning that as long as you're giving your authority to the wrong... One, you're not in the kingdom. You can be a Christian, but if you're giving your authority over to the beast or the beast nature or the worldliness or carnality that may guide us, then the, you're not in the kingdom. You know, this isn't like you get a certificate, you're in the kingdom from now on. You're in the kingdom as long as the king is in place. So, he's saying here that there are armies, and I believe these are people. These is a, this is a company, and there's so many references through the Word of God about a people coming forth. The, you want to call them the bride, or the first fruit company, or the manifest sons of God, or Joel's army. There keeps continually, he's alluding to some people at some point finally being empowered in the Spirit to have a physical effect on earth. Greater things than these shall you do, he says. A people of real spiritual significance and empowerment. So he says, and the armies, I love the fact that he chose the word armies. So these are people that know what their purpose is. They're not just hanging out in the spiritual kingdom. They have a purpose. The army, an army that wins is an army that plans to win. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses clothed in fine linen. Now, every army has weaponry. I'm not here just saying that a bunch of really spiritual people are going to make the difference. These spiritual people have to be empowered with something. These spiritual people have to operate in such a way that they bring down those principalities and powers, that they turn the course. And it says, out of his mouth comes a sharp sword. This is the two-edged sword with which to strike the nations. Before I go any further than in 15, let me do a diversion to talk about that two-edged sword. In Hebrews chapter 4, 12 to 13, she won't have that up here. I'm just going to read it to you. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Now, again, word of God. You know, I'm just, I'm sorry I keep stopping. But you know, I think we just use words. We've come to use them so much that they don't have sometimes the real impact. The word of God is not the Bible. The word of God is the directive of God. Now, how do you get the directive? Well, at the writing of this, there wasn't a Bible. And most people, and the great majority, didn't have access to the Old Testament or to the, to the scrolls. So the word of God was the directive of God. It may come through a 
physical word. It may come through a direction from the Spirit, but it is, without a doubt, the direction of God. In other words, you know what to do. God showed you what to do. Now it's up to you whether you do it. That's the word of God. So when you know that God is directing you, that's the word of God. That's the way it was used. But here is, we know it's the word of God when this happens. It says, piercing even, dividing asunder, separating soul and spirit. We're still in that battle. I'm in that battle. You're in that battle. Every single day, we have to discern, is this just out of my desire and my wants? Am I reacting to this situation because I'm, it's a failed expectation? I wanted the person or the situation to come out like this and it's not coming out this way, so I'm upset? Or am I able to set all that aside and say, Lord, what are you doing? What's going on here? I could sit here and give you so many testimonies. And Rob's so good at that. He has those stories, man. He can throw them out. I'm jealous sometimes the way he, I hear, yeah, that's right. And I could tell you about the time that I got a flat tire and ended up leading the guy that came to the Lord. Or I can tell you about other things. And, you know, saying, oh, I was ready to curse the tire, but hey, look what happened. You could do the same thing. We know that there is always an ongoing purpose of God that transcends our likes and dislikes. Now, the thing that we're hoping for is that we can get in line with him and see like he does so that we don't get upset when things don't work out the way we want. Because we can see the greater purpose in play. And so he's saying there's coming a sword. A, and since it's coming out of his mouth, I'm going to say there's coming forth a word. There's coming forth a revelation that helps us discern the soul versus the spirit, the carnal versus the spiritual, the natural or natural base desires versus our spiritual desire. And what is that revelation? I take it to mean Christ in you, the hope of glory. Understanding something, that your position in the kingdom isn't because you got saved. Well, it got quiet, didn't it? Boy, the, I would be crucified in some places if I said that. But the reality is simple, folks. Just because you got saved, you didn't fulfill the word of God. The fulfillment of the word of God, according to Paul, is the mystery of godliness, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. In other words, God saved you so that you could become a habitation through which his spirit could have dominion and effectually bring his glory and presence to the world. Come on, you weren't saved. He didn't sit up there and say, hey, I, I, I can't wait for Jimmy to get saved because that means he's going to live with me someday. No. He, he, any effect he had with people was so that through those people, he could touch the world. We sing the song, I want to be the hands, I want to be the feet. But do we become the hands and the feet? We can only do that not by what we design here, but by what we allow through our heart, through the dominion of the Lord. That's the place. We have to allow God to to do what he wants to do, to fulfill his good pleasure in us. That's, what it, that's the purpose. Now, I, I can't give you a pattern for how that works in your life because it's different for all of us. Because my stronghold was a different stronghold than yours. And so your pathway, your salvation, you ever, you ever hear that scripture, working out their salvation in fear and trembling? Well, that's funny. I thought I got saved. See, salvation is more than just 
The propitiation, fancy word for meaning Christ paying our sin debt, it's more than that. That's the open door. That's not the conclusion. That's the beginning. How frustrating it is for God for everybody to get to the starting line and say, ha, I made it. Ooh, thank goodness I'm here. <laughs> and then the, and then, okay, I got to get going or we'll never get out of here. <laughs> so, the sharp two-edged sword is an understanding that we are to, we, ha, we were born with a purpose to be a habitation for God's presence, to be an instrument through which he can work. That's why you're here. It wasn't because you could buy a house and have kids. That's not the ultimate, you know, the American dream is not God's dream. He wants us to build a house, but not a house made of hands. A spiritual house. So, here we go. He says there's coming forth a sword that will, design, that will finally enable, and I know it's happened right here. You know the difference. I don't, I don't have to sit up here and say, okay, now, and this is what the church has tried to do in the past, not here, but denominationally, this is natural and bad. This is good and spiritual. And they try to define things. Well, that just is the wrong category altogether. It's got to come because your pathway and my pathway are different, but they're all either natural or spiritual. It's either to fulfill the lust of the flesh or to fulfill the desires of God. One in the, there's no gray area. We may think so, but there's not. And our quest is to get in such a relationship with the Lord in whatever way it takes you so that you can clear, more clearly discern that. That's the pathway of the kingdom. Living in the Spirit. The sons of God are they that are led by the Spirit of God. Romans chapter 8. So, that's the first thing of the weaponry. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury, the wrath of God Almighty. The iron scepter, the rod of iron. The rod of iron isn't just a big stick. <laughs> or, or it, is, it was meant to mean, okay, and I, you can look it up yourself, but the discernment of looking at every scripture that ever used it is that it is an enduring pressure. It is an enduring, what was the word they used? I was even questioning you about it. I forgot. Because I, uh, but, it, but let's just say that it is an authority that endures until the conclusion. In other words, it is an authority. It is a power that will not relent. It continues, and I could say it this way. He continues to turn up the pressure and the heat until it's fulfilled. It is a rod that cannot be diminished. You can't compromise with it. It is an authority that is eternal and will endure until the conclusion. So when he talks about a rod of iron, it means that in many cases he talks about breaking you to shivers. In other words, he's not going to just break you. He's going to break every part in you that is not of him so that he can build a fresh vessel or have his way. It is an authority that says, you can't compromise with me. There's no gray area with me. He that doth not love me more than father, mother. Do I need to, I've got 18 scriptures that I could give you right now that we go, we don't think about, we don't talk about that. <laughs> 
He that doth not love me more than father, mother, brother, and sister. He that does not pick up his cross and follow after me, not worthy of me. On and on and on. He's got all of these scriptures that when you look at them together, you say, man, that's a pretty high mark. What he's just saying is that it can be accomplished only as the Spirit has dominion. And then I'll do it. You don't have to worry about it. I'll do it. So I wanted to mention these two weapons of warfare because that's what's ultimately going to win the day. It's not the armies from the United States and England and France that are going to go over there and defeat the caliphate or whatever they want to call it because that's not going to win the victory. The victory is going to be won by a people who have an authority spiritually. You all with me? Okay, all right. Then let me go on. Verse 17, And I saw an angel standing in the sun who cried in a loud voice to all the birds flying in the minute. By the way, that's the eagles. It says birds, but it's actually eagles. It's birds of prey. It's ones that devour flesh. So he's saying there's coming a point where he says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rule with these weaponry, and I am going to call forth, because the next thing he says, Come, gather together for the great supper of God. No, you've heard about the marriage supper, the great supper of God. Well, here he's saying, when I finally have a people, I'm going to call them together and, and enable them to go forth. But look at what they do. You've heard, for those that were here during my teaching on this, I made the point, like, if you're really looking forward to the marriage supper of the Lamb, then you better look at what's on the menu. Because it's not the type of meal that you're thinking it is. This is not some great meal that we all get together, have a great meal, and throw our crowns down to the Lord. He says that this is what's on the agenda. So that you may eat the flesh of kings, generals, mighty men, of horses and their riders, of flesh of all people, free and slave and small and great. So what's he talking about? Flesh is a type of carnality or worldliness or the soulish realm. In other words, these people will destroy the carnality that is, that is his enemy in the earth. The same carnality that the, the Muslims use, but it's also the same carnality that Presbyterians, Baptists, Pentecostals, and everybody else can use that operate independent from the will of God. There's going to come a people that show forth the glory of God in such a way that it defeats the very foundation through which all of these enemies of God live. How is that possible? Well, let me just put it to you this way. It says a man, an angel standing in the sun. That's a reference to a holy messenger shining forth so brightly that it gets everybody's attention. A person that is so manifesting something that everybody's listening with what he has to say. Now, just imagine for a second that there comes forth a people, just like on the Mount of Transfiguration, that are so surrendered to the Lord that their very countenance changes. What would the world do with that? <laughs> what would 60 minutes do with the people that began to show forth the very glory of God? What would they do with the people that had stepped over the grave? Well, I don't know that I believe in that. Well, I don't, you know, I'm sorry, but that's what's in the word of God. It says there will be, you know, we will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. There is coming a people that they defeat the last enemy of God, which is, what is the last enemy of God? Death itself. There is coming for the people that defeat death. What will the world do with that? What will, you know, you got to think for a second. These bombers, these people that, that blew themselves up, they had a lot of faith, didn't they? I mean, could you do that? I couldn't do that. 
could you do it for God? It puts this thing on a different level now. See, you're not going to be able to defeat these people in any form of, of coercion or ideology. You're not. They are so deluded. They are so absolutely convinced that they're right that they will blow themselves up. How do you counteract that? By showing them something better. When they, without a doubt, see something and recognize something better than what they were believing in, they will cast off, without a doubt, cast off that that has bound them up like it's dirty laundry. So I'm telling you that there's coming, yes, an army of God, but their weaponry is not natural. Their weaponry is the Spirit of God working in them so powerfully that there will be a man of physical change in who they are. You've got to start believing that. Because if you don't believe it, you'll never get it. If you're not looking for it and anticipating that God can do this, that he could change a people so radically that their very countenance shines forth in his glory, you'll never get it. It talks about the bride making herself ready. And I'll just jump right into that real quick. We still good? I've gone for 25 minutes. Nobody's left yet. I got somebody at the back door there. He's going to make sure nobody gets out of here. <laughs> all right, all right. Now, it really gets good. So, thank you. All right, preparation of saints. Now let's go over to Revelation chapter 13. Let's back up. Now let me show you something. This is the hard part. You know, Revelation can be really exciting when you recognize it as a spiritual book because you get truths out of it that you that are designed for you. Now, don't get me wrong. All the word of God is great. But the book of Revelation was written for mature people. He said, I, he already said, he said, I pray that you have ears to hear what I'm about to say to the church. And so, when you really open yourself up to the spiritual truths in it, you could start going, whoa, I've never seen that before. Well, he knew that you could handle it. Remember what Paul said, I got many things to say to you, but ye being carnal cannot understand them. So he didn't even tell them. He said, I'm not even going to go there because you, you wouldn't get it anyway. Well, that's not true with the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation, when you step into it as a spiritual book, begins to open your eyes to truths, deeper truths that you go, whoa. And here's one of them. Revelation chapter 13, verse 7 says, And it was given unto him, and this is, this is the enemy, Satan, the soulless realm, whatever you want to call it. I, I call it Satan. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. Hmm. People, people say, now, now, man, don't say God did that. Well, I'll just tell you that God didn't do it, but power was given that there would be an authority that comes forth greater than the natural authority that you have for a purpose. And all that dwell on the earth, earth is a type of worldliness. Let's just say, if you haven't, I don't have time because we haven't done the whole study, but I'm just going to say that earth means earthiness, carnality, worldliness. So those that are taking their strength from the earth, that are earthy, shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. If any man hath a he ear, let him hear. This is a deep truth is what he's trying to say. Now here's the point. He that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. You know, 
used to be in our Royal Rangers. You, you, you do the, uh, a different boys thing. We had, we had well, I don't know if they say the same thing. We used to say to the leaders, you cannot lead where you will not go. You cannot give what you cannot show. Meaning that you, the content of who you are defines a lot. In this case, he's saying, look, you can't lead people into the captivity or into a captive relationship with Christ until you learn how to be in captivity. He that killeth with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and faith of the saints. He's telling you that the crap you've been going through the stuff that has assaulted you and you've wondered why in the world would God let this happen? The loved one that passed away, the one that you've had to take care of, the one that, the, the money that didn't come through at the right time. He says those things are for your benefit. Thank you. <laughs> People go, huh? Because he's trying to tell you all things work together for good for those that love God and are called according to his purpose. There's a purpose in it. I'm going to tell you, I'm a different person now than before my liver transplant and all that was crushing through those years. I am a much different person. I wouldn't encourage that as a pathway for anybody, but it was necessary for me, and I thank God for it. Did he cause it? I don't say he caused it, but I'm saying that it benefited me. Life in this world is naturally destructive. You, you don't have to put it on God. We cause the destruction. Adam and, and Eve caused this world that is constantly dying and diminishing to come into existence. So guess what? Everything in this world as it exists is diminishing and dying. So your life diminishes and dies. But God is saying, I want you now to see that those areas that are diminishing and dying for you because now you're in the kingdom are things that are of this world. I'll turn it around and bring my kingdom through it. Through much tribulation you enter the kingdom. You can't enter into that place of total surrender, the place in which he really has dominion until you let go of your kingdom. Two kingdoms cannot exist in the same vessel. You cannot serve two masters. So he's saying here, that, listen, this is, I'm preparing an army. But just like, how many are vets? Any vets? A few vets? Okay. Boot camp was not a counseling session, was it? Uh-uh. They didn't say, well, listen, come on. Now, we want to talk to you about the merits of leadership and why you must listen to the drill sergeant. <laughs> That's not the way the drill sergeant interacted with you, was it? My poor daughter, as a matter of fact, ended up in basic training getting injured, and she was, had to get a medical release because she got a, what was it, a, a, a fracture, a stress fracture. So, I mean, a lot of us get stress fractures, <laughs> spiritually speaking, as we are being prepared. See, you have got to see that your life was designed for a purpose. You have been being prepared since the foundation of the world to be part of the army of God. And you're looking at your life saying, why is my life fraught with so much difficulty? Because you're in boot camp. You're in boot camp, and when you recognize that, you can take advantage of it. Because I know guys that, though they hate boot camp, they recognize, hey, this is tuning my body. I'm turning into a real weapon. For the first time in their life, they had muscles they didn't know they had. They had abilities they never thought they could have attained. 
And they cherished that. And so it became a benefit instead of a detriment. And that's what I'm telling you. God says this recruiting process comes at a cost. You can't be part of the army of God until you've gone through the boot camp or at least come to that place where you allow him to do what is necessary to make you the weapon of warfare you need to be. Do you think that just coming in here and hearing a good sermon say, that is a really great truth. I'm going to try to apply that this week. Is really going to make a difference. Has it made a difference? No, it's when you come into a crisis moment, when you come into a real need, when you cry out from the depth of your heart, a change happens. God knows that. So what does he do? <laughs> he puts you in those situations. If you can't believe that, your life is constantly fraught with confusion. Because you're constantly being assaulted with, well, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, but why didn't I do that one? You'll either forget about it and say, well, I don't know. I'm just, I'm not going to worry about it. Or you come to the reality that you can do all things through Christ. And he is teaching you how to work through him instead of through yourself. When it doesn't happen, when it's not working out, it's either because you yet haven't had your mind transformed to see it the way he sees it, or you haven't surrendered to let him get you there. This is tough. And I'm just using this opportunity from Friday the 13th to tell you that now's the time, more than any other time, for a people of God to recognize you are the answer. The military from America and France is not necessarily the answer that's going to win this. You are the answer that will ultimately bring the true victory and destroy radical Islam, radical atheism, and all the other radical against God stuff that's in the world. It will come when God shines forth through you. When the kingdom moves from in here to out there. Okay? But it has to have its full dominion in here first. If you can't, if you can't learn true surrender and captivity with the Lord, I trust you, Lord. I don't understand it, but I trust you. If you can't learn Lord, I don't feel comfortable doing that, but if you're saying I got to, I'll do it. And you do it and find the glory of God. How many of you have had that happen? All of you had it happen. You, find, you, you knew you, it was uncomfortable. You didn't want to have to say that to this person. Or you didn't want to have to do that. You didn't want to have to give that, but you did it, and the glory of God came forth. That's the kingdom principle. And it's amazing how we forget it how it works so well over here, then we go just a few weeks down the road and come across the same thing. It's like, God, it's, I just can't do that. Why can't we do that? Because we haven't seen our destiny. We're still just about wanting our life. You're still about your plans for your life, not seeing that there's nothing wrong with a great life. God wants you to have a great life, but first, that great life has to be set aside for his greater life. And then you come forth so victorious. All right, let's move on. Joel chapter 2. I want to talk about this just a second. Actually, I'm going to read before I do. 2 Timothy 2.4. Do you have that one? Yes. You're, you beat me to the punch. <laughs> Thank you. No man that warreth. See? No man that has decided I'm going to be part of this 
entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. That kind of covers everything, doesn't it? There's not many exceptions to that. That he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. You've been chosen. You've been chosen. Now, what will you do with it? Well, he says, first of all, don't get entangled. Just trust God to work these things out. I know that it's hard. It was hard when, when they, you know, everybody was telling me, well, you need to take this and you need to do that and this will fix you and go over here, they'll pray for you. And do, it was tough to just say, hey, no, I've trusted God. It's already done deal. This life is not mine. This body was purchased. I've prayed for healing. It's done. I don't need to beg him more. It's done. I trust him. Whatever he wants to do, he'll do, and I'll be happy with it. And I'm going to tell you, I was able to walk in peace. Y'all were here. You knew, you know. Gina and I, through her breast cancer and thyroid cancer and mine, we walked through it. You know, we weren't skipping, singing zippity-doo-dah. But we were able to walk in confidence that God had it. And now we stand in benefit of it. I'm stronger and have more faith in what God is wanting to do in my life and with my body now than it ever, ever in my life. So Joel chapter 2, verse 16. Now, this verse comes after he's already talked about the army of God coming forth. A great people. You know, they will mount up on the walls. You just can't stop them. And one of the benefits of this coming says every one of them marches in their own line and they don't shove each other. Boy, I just want to see that happen in a church, you know? <laughs> we're walking together to the same direction and we're not shoving each other. No competition. So he's talked about this great army and all they're going to do and what they're going to be capable of. And he comes down to 16 after talking about all that. And he says, gather the people, sanctify the, gather the people. This is not an individual thing. This is a corporate thing. Just in any war, you don't, you don't make a bunch of individuals. You make a fighting unit. Sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children. Doesn't matter what maturity. This is not about that. This is about God doing it anyway. So this isn't like, you know, well, only the saints or the pastors or whoever. No, this is for any that will. And those that suck the breast, let the bridegroom go forth from his chamber. Christ in you coming forth. And what manifest? And the bride out of her closet, her hidden place. See, the bride's hidden right now. She's hidden in the midst of you. But as Christ comes forth, she manifests. Because the bride is without spot or blemish. I'm not without spot or blemish. You're not without spot or blemish. But as Christ comes forward, that manifestation of Christ in, the, in this body, in all bodies, is the bride. When they see him and not us, the bride has come. And he's saying that first this army, this great people, will manifest. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 and 6 says, For Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war against the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations. See, this battle's got to be won here first, okay? It's got to be won here. Till it's won here, it'll never get won out here. That's why I'm here today 
telling you it's time to get ready and take this seriously, to see your life above the circumstances that you live in. Well, but man, I'm almost 80 years older. I mean, it doesn't matter. There's going to come a point that you will step over that. I believe that. It could be at any time. I know it's so hard to believe when we live in this natural world, but until we start to believe that God is capable of these things, it won't happen. It won't happen. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the disobedience of Christ and having in readiness. Here it is. You want to see the victory? Having in readiness to revenge all disobedience. How? When your obedience is fulfilled. The victory comes when it comes in here. We will see an authority that will change the world, that will make all the nations of the world be the nations of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, quoted out of Revelation. That will happen when He has full authority in this kingdom. And it's not what you do, folks. It's what you believe. It's your faith. Oh, you don't understand, Van. I got this problem. I look at this and I shouldn't look at this. I say this and I shouldn't say this. Well, that's because you've got idle hands you haven't seen. You know, it didn't matter in the army. They brought in thugs. They brought in brainiacs. They brought them all. But guess what? They all became one unit. Why? Because their focus was brought together for one purpose. The victory. They got them all. So get, get out of your own world. I don't care what you've been. This is what you are now. So it has no, nothing to do with what you've been, whether you have fulfilled everything you wanted. It's the fact you're being called right now to become the very victory of God. Can I read one more? I told every, everybody all right? Are you, are you, are you with me on this? I'm, I'm throwing a lot of stuff at you, but do, do you hear what I'm trying to tell you? But there is a victory that's coming. And, and you can't just sit back and watch it on CNN or Fox or whatever. You're it. You're it. You're it. Without you, this isn't going to happen. I don't care how many armies they send over there. It's never going to be the victory that God has ordained until it happens here. Because one can send a thousand to flight. Two can send ten thousand. A congregation can... Bring forth the glory of God to all the world. Oh, we need Christ so desperately. And the people that understand that, Revelation, I'm going to go Joel 2. I'm going to tell you about these people. All right, now come on. Think about this as being you. Think about this as a people ready to come forth. The appearance of them is as horses. (laughs) I know... That doesn't sound quite right, but what he's saying is there's coming forth a people that are. And see, a horse was the most mighty weapon of warfare there was. In this case, it means that those that are bringing forth the very presence of God, that's who they are. It says that they, the appearance of them is as horsemen, and as horsemen, so shall they run. Like the noise of chariots on the tops of mountain, they shall leap. Like the noise of a flame of fire that devoureth the stubble. As a strong people set in battle array. 
Think of what that battle array is. I've just defined it for you. Before their face, the people shall be much pained. Before them. See, they don't even have to do anything. Their countenance will bring forth the condemnation and correction that God desires just to bring the Lord into the situation. And that's not just about Muslim. That's about Amelia Island. That's about Florida. That's about the United States. Just bringing the Lord into that situation will change everything. We know this. He's just saying there's coming to people that this is a reality. This isn't something we just say, well, gosh, let me tell you about what happened last week. No, it's what happens moment by moment because their life is no longer theirs. It's no longer them that live, but Christ that liveth in them. All right. They shall run like mighty men. They shall climb on the wall like men of war. They shall march every one in his own ways, and they shall not break ranks. It says shove each other in the King James. Neither shall one thrust another. Oh, no, no, it doesn't. There it is. But this is what I want you to see. They shall walk every one in his path. And when they shall fall upon the sword, they shall not be wounded. Okay. I understand because I've done this so many times. The dilemma of trying to encourage you to a life so surrendered that the Lord can have this kind of a victory. So I want to do what the Lord does and say... Okay, I'm not asking you to do this without a wonderful carrot, a wonderful opportunity. There's purpose in this. There is benefit in this. And what he's telling you is that you can come to a place that not only will he be able to work mighty things through you, but no weapon formed against you again will ever prosper. No damage can come to your life. No destruction can enter at your gate any longer. that's what we all want I'm just giving you a different pathway the only pathway the pathway where he's in full dominion one, because no weapon formed against the Lord can prosper no weapon can have any effect no destruction because the Lord is about growing and expanding not destroying and diminishing there is such a uh, I wish I could tell you, Gene and I spend all of our time talking about this. And, you know, we've had our, <laughs> our grandkids, you know, they, our daughter, one daughter had a bad marriage, and so she asked if she could come live at the house for a little while, three and a half years ago. And so we get lots of time to talk about, you know, you know, whether we've learned to find that purpose in what God has dealt us or whether we want to, you know, be upset or challenged by our circumstances. And it never seems to fail that as we let go, even though it looks at first like devastation, it miraculously turns and becomes... I remember watching a cartoon one time in which this guy seemed to have a certain power. He called it the power of peace. This is a crazy cartoon. It was back in the 60s, okay? Back when everybody was doing drugs and nobody could see what they were talking about anyway. So, so in this, when, whenever anybody shot a bullet, it would turn into a flower, you know? <laughs> you saw it, huh? You saw it too, okay. But were you watching TV when you saw it? I won't go there. <laughs> the point being 
that that's the reality God is offering you. There, there is this. And I, I, a mind will not. It's foolishness up here. But there is that place. And it's only one step away. Vulnerability. Are you willing to be vulnerable? Because if you're not, you don't have faith enough to empower this lifestyle. If you've got to protect yourself and your family and your life and your reputation and your money and your situation, you will never have the Lord's life and money and reputation. Now, those are hard words, and it's not meant to condemn you. I'm just trying to offer that it's worth taking the chance with God. And see, this brings us full circle to the weapon of the enemy. This is fear. Fear brings more fear. Fear is like a spiral. It's like in Gina's family, there, there's been, and even among our own children, there has been the manifestation of panic attacks. Anybody ever in their family have to deal with? Okay, panic attacks, as, as you might know, are spirals. What happens is you get a little afraid about something and your body reacts. And when you feel your body react, it gives justification to the fear. So you get more fear. And more fear brings more of a reaction. You see the spiral to the place that it, it, it really incapacitates people. That's what fear does. Pan, it's, that's not just a, an anomaly of a disease. That's the true fruit of fear. It's designed to bring more fear. That's what they're trying to do. And there's only one remedy to that fear. That's the Lord. There's only one access to the Lord to diminish that fear, and that is faith. That faith is truly operational through vulnerability. God doesn't help those that help themselves. God helps the helpless. God says you must come to him as little children. He said, I'm going to eat the flesh of kings and mighty men. What is he talking about? All of those haughtiness, all of that pride, all of that stuff. That's the stuff that has to be destroyed. And so if you're operating in any of that, the kingdom cannot come. So I'm calling to you today to enter into the boot camp of God to become a viable instrument of righteousness in the war that's ahead. That begins through faith. You want to, we talk about, yes, we all want to have a greater relationship with God, don't we? We want to, you know, we talk about that. And we go away and say, yeah, I want, I want that. I want to do that. So I'll, I'll witness at work maybe, or I'll read my Bible some more, or I'll sing louder next time. <laughs> uh -uh. It comes by allowing God through your faith to be trusted with your life. Allowing God through your faith to be trusted with your life. That's the real boot camp. It ain't easy, but it's what makes you an overcomer. Overcoming yourself. It's that simple. See, you ain't got to go out here and do push-ups. You don't have to run track. You don't have to do any of that. But you do have to stand in faith when the hurricane's at the door. And at the other side of that is a glory that is enabled for the overcomer.
in the book of Revelation, there's wonderful promises for the overcomers. And that's the overcomers. It's not people that did great things. It's the people that trusted God to do great things through them. Those are the overcomers. They will sit with him in his throne. They shall partake of all the glory that is his. So, as you listen, and boy, we're going to face it over the next few days, aren't we? More and more. Everybody's going to be trying to figure out what this is because they're going to see it in the natural. Remember, remember, that's your call to trust God. Not that you won't get hurt, but that you will be the very stronghold through which God's victory will come upon the earth. Do you believe the word of God? He said all the nations of this world will become the nations of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He's not going to snap his fingers and it's done. It's not going to be because the armies of, of Europe, NATO, and the United States went down there and controlled that situation. It's because a people brought the kingdom. I mean, who wouldn't run to the kingdom? Who would not run to a place where all the tears will be eradicated? Where the love of God wipes away all condemnation. Who would not desire that new Jerusalem? Who would? Who? Nobody. They just, just got to see it. They got to see it. Father, we want to thank you because we know that this is a change this is the time that you said you have preordained that there would come a day and an hour in which you would bring forth the manifestation of the sons of God those truly manifesting the son that there would be a day that you would bring forth your perfect will on earth Lord I pray right now for any and everyone that is hearing my voice, that the Holy Spirit could work within them to see that they have been chosen. They have been chosen to be a hero through Christ. They have been chosen to be a building block in this great temple that you are erecting. But God, I speak against that unbelief, that fear that is even trying to eradicate this move. We know that it won't, but we call forth the very angels of God to set as strongholds in the lives of every person that your spirit, Lord Jesus, would have dominion, that you would give to that one that wants the courage to trust you, the courage to trust you, that you would give to that one the faith necessary to stand firm when the winds and tribulations of this world want to bring them down. Lord, I declare victory in the lives of everyone here in this place, for this congregation, for this lighthouse in a dark world. I thank you for their love, for the power of God working in this place, and I pray, O oh God, that you would bring the lost and the brokenhearted and the downtrodden to this house to experience and taste of your love and bring forth the bride of Christ in this hour. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all. Thank you so much. Thank you so much.